Welcome to the Michigan Opportunity, an economic development podcast featuring candid conversations with business leaders across Michigan. You'll hear firsthand accounts from Michigan business leaders and innovators about how the state is driving job growth and business investment, supporting a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem, building vibrant communities, and helping to attract and retain one of the most diverse and significant workforces in the nation. Hello, I'm Ed Clementi. I'm your host today. We're fortunate to have Jennifer Brace with us. She's Global Trends and Futuring Manager for Ford Motor Company. Welcome to the show, Jen. Hi, thanks for having me, Ed. We have to start out with the coolest title of all time. Uh, I would love that title. Global Trends and Futuring it fits our show perfectly. Uh, why don't you tell people what you do? I think people know what Ford is, but why don't you tell them what you do? Sure. Yeah. So kind of the the shortened version of my title is that I am a futurist. Um, and I know <laughs> when people ask me what I do and I respond that way, I get a look as in, what does that mean? <laughs> I have never heard of that before. Or, you know, they think it's a made up title. One of those. Um, either way, um, I do actually have a very cool title. And frankly, I have a very cool job. Um, and what uh, what I do, what my team does is we spend a lot of time looking about thinking about and looking into kind of the future, looking at trends, looking at signals that we see happening in the world. Um, we often describe it as we try to keep an eye on what's happening kind of outside, not just in automotive, but particularly outside automotive, because there's all these forces that are happening, whether it's social, technical, economic, environmental, political. And um, they're the type of things that cause major changes that we're forced to react to, whether we want to or not, the type of changes that are outside of our control. So we keep an eye on those things. And then we work with teams internally at Ford to help them strategize and create plans so that they're prepared regardless of what the future brings, whether that's, um, you know, kind of pointing out different trends and signals to them, or it's sometimes exploring different scenarios of what the future could hold and then talking to them about what their strategies would be if said future became a reality. Yeah, and and I think that's you know it's a it's a great definition because a lot of times people think necessarily futures are like the Jetsons, you know, they're kind of predicting sure. it, but they're really not. They're trying to give you a lot of options just so you can try to pick the best that'll fit your sort of whatever your vision is for your organization, kind of. Yeah, and often what we find is a lot of people assume that the future is a lot like today, maybe just with more technology, right? And and they kind of forget about all the other things that have major impacts. You know, it, it, I'll be honest with you, like COVID made our job a lot easier <laughs> because it brought so much change so quickly um, that when we, you know, went to teams and we said, well, what if the future isn't a lot like today? What if it's really different? What if major events happen? What if um, something unexpected happens? How might you be prepared? So, um, yeah, COVID actually helped us out quite a bit in terms of getting teams to to kind of come along on the journey when it comes to exploring different potential futures. Yeah, it's like a two-sided coin for a lot of HR people. In some ways, it helped improve, you know, a lot of what is the most important things we should be focusing on. But at the same time, okay, do we still need the interaction? How are we going to do the hybrid, you know, format in the future? It's still not going to be decided for a while. I think it'll be a couple of years before it settles out, probably. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think... Certainly, we've seen a lot of change, right? We've seen all different types of working models, and we've seen, um, you know, we've seen the great kind of exit of the workforce in all kinds of different areas, and and kind of uh, workers also demanding more things. Um, and we, 
you're right that we're kind of watching to see how does it really settle out because it has changed the perception of what is possible and, and how work needs to get done and what's necessary to make it happen. So I agree that I think we're uh, we're still kind of in the midst of some of this change and I'll be curious to to continue watching. We're certainly tracking it closely. Yeah, for work literally as well as just curiosity-wise, you kind of want you to got know it. Too. You got it. Um, and you know, you've got the perfect job description, in my opinion, to be a futurist, because to me, and you know, I'm going to let you walk through where you've been, and I want to drill down on that a little bit, but how it got to this point. But I think, you know, I, I think you and I said earlier on a call, like I think of myself as more of a generalist. And then if you look at your career, you've you're not you've been in automotive, but I think it's pretty fascinating all the places you've been and worked. And, and let's start out. You grew up in Michigan, though, anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a Michigan native, so born and raised. And I went to school at the University of Michigan for um, engineering. So I did a, a degree in mechanical engineering. And then uh, right out of there, uh, and actually during school, I had interned at Ford. And it gave me kind of the opportunity to to really kind of see several different parts of the company. And, and it gave me a good understanding of maybe how broad of a career you might be able to have at a place like Ford, because there are so many little groups and niches that you could fit into. Um, so I was excited when I got the opportunity to work there after I graduated. Um, I still did go back and get my master's in engineering management, also at University of Michigan. And so I started in engineering and uh, what they do really well is uh, they bring in new engineers and we do a three-year rotation program. So I got exposure to several different areas, um, including like I did a rotation, spent six months doing crash, which I thought was really cool. Um, what is I crash? Did, cra like vehicle crashing. So getting oh. to like crash the vehicle and, you know, watch the crash test. <laughs> no, like actually in, uh, watch the dummies in slow motion and see, you know, paint their paint their skin and their faces and see where the, what touches in the vehicle and all that kind of stuff. Um, I got to do that. I got to work in uh, kind of like switches, working on the switches in the vehicle in terms of um, how do they feel? How do they sound? I got to get some exposure to that. I got to work in um, the chimes or even literally like the sounds, the audio that the vehicle plays. Um, I got to launch uh, the convertible Mustang uh, in 2005. So I got to see a lot of different things. And then where I settled, um, was kind of a new group that was starting. And it was at the time it was called HMI, which stood for human machine interface. And what we were doing was trying to figure out how all the, the kind of bits and pieces in the vehicle would work together um, really specifically on the touchscreen in the car. So this was kind of bringing, it was early in the days of bringing like navigation and radio and phone all into one screen. Um, and then trying to understand what is the logic. I've had three, four vehicles. I know. Yeah, yeah. With the sink, so, it to exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, learning along the way. Um, but yeah, early days of sync. Exactly. So I spent a lot of time there, um, really kind of trying to understand and learning about our system, and also trying to understand how people work and how they're going to interact with this, and and what's going to really resonate with them. So getting to do a lot of um, research and user studies and things like that, and trying to understand that kind of like the the mental logic that they're going through when they're trying to find things in their screen. So um, had a great time there. Following that, I had an opportunity to kind of stay on that technology, in-vehicle technology track, but do it from the uh, the marketing side. So I had, I had had some exposure to that group when I was in engineering and then got an opportunity and I figured, okay, well, let's, let's look at that part of the business. 
So I worked in marketing for a couple of years, also enjoyed my time there and really got to see a very different different aspect of, of how things worked at, again, such a big company. And following that, I um, had a really unexpected opportunity come my way. I was, I was interested in, in potentially doing some maybe advanced engineering work. And they said, well, we're setting up a lab. We're expanding our lab out in Palo Alto. Would you be interested in, and that's out in California, would you be interested in leading up a team? And I thought, huh, well, California was never really on my roadmap, but um, it was the type of opportunity that I knew I would regret if I didn't take it. So, so I moved out to California in 2015 um, to our Silicon Valley lab. At the time, there were about 15 people in the lab, so it was really small. But I got to see it grow to over 300 employees while I was there, which was oh wow, yeah, yeah which was cool. And it because it was out in, in California too, and there was a lot of um, there were really only about 20% of the employees were like me, where they were transplant from Dearborn or from another Ford facility around the world. And the rest were new hires. So it actually got to develop kind of its own culture, if you will, because there was so much, um, so many people that didn't know uh, what the rest of Ford did and how they worked. So uh, we got to kind of build up our own culture, which was great. And out there was leading up a user research team. So we were helping the teams if they needed to understand more about how the customer understood a product or a technology, like my team would figure out how do we get more information on it? How do we get data on it? So um, early days, it was kind of looking at like autonomous vehicles, but this would have been like 2015, 2016. So still pretty early, but we were still getting to see kind of the, the Google cars at the time driving around and things like that. And, uh, and you know, it was just, it was a, a really great kind of learning experience for me. And while I was out there, I also got an opportunity then to move over to our mobility team. And uh, this was kind of looking at uh, more um, innovation mobility. Um, so I stuck actually in the autonomous vehicle space and I was looking at, you know, what does entertainment look like in the vehicle when, it, when you don't have to drive, for example, and getting to kind of do some explorations there. So kind of staying, I guess even then I was staying a little bit in this kind of future space. <laughs> And then, yeah, and then uh, I did, I got the opportunity um, to join the, the Trends of Futuring team and work for Cheryl Connolly, who was our, our chief futurist, um, who I had looked up to for years. And yeah, she's quite um, a celebrity in her own right. I know yeah. I've seen her on several panels. Like Absolutely. Absolutely. She's well known um, within the Ford community and outside. Um, and she's been our fu chief futurist for, I think, 15 years. So she... Um, she made me uh, an offer to to join her team, and it was uh, something that I had always thought was like the coolest job on the, in the company. So um, I had to do it, um, and that actually brought me back to Michigan. Interestingly enough, right when COVID hit, <laughs> right as things were shutting down, I was actually the week the week everything shut down in March um, was the week I was supposed to close on the new house in Michigan, and we couldn't fly because. Everything oh, hit the fan. Yeah. It was yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So it was kind of a crazy time, but um, we made it work uh, and made it made it made it back to Michigan. So, uh, so yeah, it's good to kind of go full circle and make it back back home. Well, I tell you, anyone that listens to the podcast, and hopefully you'll get a chance to talk a little bit more about opportunities for youth. But it really shows you how in today's world, the path is not going to always be that clear, right? And you could be a generalist. In, a, in one organization, which is kind of hard to seem like that's true, but really you have been. And that's perfect 
credentials, I think, to be a futurist too. I don't know what Cheryl did before, but uh, I mean, I'm sure she had a similar path, I'm guessing. Because no one goes into college to be a futurist that I know of. I, no, not that I know of either. Um, I, to my knowledge, there are not degrees for it. <laughs> not yet. Um, but yeah, you're right. So I like to I like to say that we know a little bit about a lot um, as a futurist. And it's trying to, I think, some of the main parts of being good at it is, of course, keeping kind of an open mind, having some creativity to imagine what the future could be like. Um, and also just having curiosity, like being curious about things and, and wanting to kind of dive into it and explore more. And then of course, build out like what, what might that mean? How do you tie it back? Being able to kind of connect those dots back to like, why do people, why should people at Ford care? Well, you even mentioned something to me about this sort of what points of uh, like, almost like benchmarks you look at for futures trends globally. Right. And mm-hmm. that kind of is your question anyway, but I think, could you touch on a few of those or whatever you I don't know what they were, like 12 points. I forgot what you said. Well, we use uh, we use like five main categories, which are social. Yeah, we call them steep. So social, technological, economic, environmental and political. Um, And we we pick those are very, very broad on purpose. Right. And and usually you'll find there's a ton of overlaps because something that happens in one sector usually bleeds into all the others. But um, we kind of use those as our big categories that we look at. Um, and then we do the work um, in different ways. So I talked a little bit about sometimes what we'll do is we'll actually build out scenarios for what the future could look like. Um, but the other thing that we do is we run a, an annual trend survey as well to understand kind of what we see happening in the world. How are people feeling about things? Um, we kind of change the questions up every year depending on what, what is interesting <laughs> at the time. But it is a consumer-based survey. Um, where we are looking to get some consumer sentiment. So um, certainly the last couple of years, um, COVID has been one of the top of mind things. Um, and and I, I should point out too, uh, anyone can uh, get these results. This is something that we do share publicly. You can go to FordTrends.com to find our, our latest and greatest. And we do update it every year. So if you go there today, you could see something different six months from now. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, we always see some interesting things. Um, one of the one of the early questions we asked this year was talking about preparedness and do you feel prepared for the future? Um, and uh, we asked people that about themselves, about businesses and about governments and and kind of maybe not terribly surprising, but um, people did kind of put themselves first in terms of, well, I feel most prepared for the for the future compared to um, businesses were actually second. I feel businesses are prepared for the future versus governments were third. And they thought the governments were, I guess you would say the least prepared of the three um, for the future, which is interesting as um, we do see kind of the power of businesses continuing to, to increase. Um, and that's been kind of just an interesting theme to understand um, the power of like, do people put their trust? How do the people put their trust in business versus government? And um, and how do we see that kind of sentiment shifting? You know, I, I it's funny too, because you probably don't know the history of the podcast, but originally I talked with the governor about doing this podcast to sort of, you know, I kind of told her we should be focusing on something else besides COVID, right? So it started out, what are we doing to pull ourselves out? Economic turnaround, those kind of things. But the thing that's probably more interesting to fit in with your scenario is that we had a question that was a regular question about how did you pivot during COVID, you know? we've So we've been doing the show a little over a year now. And that question got eliminated. You could almost see like a sort of like a fulcrum 
where it sort of changed that we didn't even need to ask that question. And people talk about it so small now, it seems like, you know, it, it was even not even a real question before. But I mean, I know it is still, but it does show you that actual sort of sort of emotional shift almost about what is making you more nervous today, maybe than before. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know. And COVID's become kind of like ambient noise, it almost feels like in the background for us. Yeah. Um, and so let's kind of stick in that vein a little bit. But as you do these trends, I know that's helpful for Michigan, too, because I know you're based here. And even though you're a global corporation, obviously, but I know there's a lot of value add for being here, too. Oh, I know yeah. We talked about that a little bit before, but I didn't know if you wanted to express that a little bit more. Yeah, well, certainly, um, I I believe, uh, I know Ed, you are very familiar with the fact that we are um, putting a lot of investment into the city of Detroit. We are redoing the um, the train station and some buildings that are surrounding that to build a campus. Um, we've actually partnered, Google has partnered with us on that, um, and there will be some startup space there. Um, they're putting, they're adding kind of training and other initiatives for um, people in the city to kind of learn skills and, and get, um, get ready for kind of tech jobs and really trying to build up that space in the city. So we are really excited to see that. And that will only feed into what we're doing when it comes to electrification. So our electric vehicles and of course our autonomous vehicles that I mentioned earlier. So we are seeing a lot of energy around that. Um, really, uh, I'm really just looking forward to seeing it kind of open and seeing kind of the the beauty of, of the train station come back to life uh, as it's been this kind of symbol um, you know, kind of for urban blight for so many years that it's, uh, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see it open up next year. You're listening to the Michigan Opportunity, featuring candid conversations with Michigan business leaders on what makes Michigan a leading state to live, work, and play. Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast. Now, so you, I didn't have to ask you my one question, which is usually what are future trends, because that's all we've been talking about. But I do have a question about, and you touched on this a little bit, but um, if you were doing a mini career day or what would you go back and talk to your 18-year-old self? Or even, you know, if you did a commencement, whatever, what would you tell people today? So when I kind of think back amongst about my career, um, I always had a plan. I'm, I'm a planner by nature. I always kind of have have a plan, an idea of where I'm going, have a vision of what I want to be. And what I found is every time I kind of throw that plan out the window and follow what is interesting and an opportunity that comes my way, it has worked out. So I would say have a plan. It's really good to have an idea or a direction on where you're going, but don't be so tied to it that you are um, closed up from opportunities coming your way, um, because often those are the most um, most interesting, beneficial, the best learning experiences. Um, at least in my case, that's how it's been, and and that's why that's why I have such a cool title as a futurist. <laughs> yeah, and the uh, you know those two do those two words sort of like being open minded and being a planner sometimes really conflict with each other. So I imagine it gave you a lot of personal grief at times. Like, well, I wanted to be working in the engineering for field only, right? Yep. Or if I leave this field, am I ever going to be able to come back? What if I don't like it? What if this? Yep. All of those questions constantly going on in my head. But uh, as I look back uh, again, like the, the times when I've taken the chance and I've kind of gone with what I felt was uh, frankly, just kind of a really interesting opportunity. It has 
um, done nothing but um, propelled my career. Um, anyway, so let's get to your last question. And that is, uh, what do you like personally? You've moved, you've lived in California and you've lived in a nice part of California. What do you like best about Michigan, though? Uh, my favorite part is the people. Okay. It really is. I love the people here. Um, I missed, I missed kind of the Michigan welcomeness um, that you get from people and the the friendliness that you kind of get everywhere. Um, I definitely missed that when I was out on the West Coast. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, it's just it's very welcoming. It, it's uh, you know I know my neighbors, I know the community, uh, which I didn't really have out there. So I think that was my number one thing. Um, California was definitely winning on the weather side, generally speaking, but, uh, but that's okay. It's totally worth it for the people here. And, uh, uh, yeah, I do love, we do, I do, we love do appreciate our summers that. more too. I, we do, we do. And you see a lot more people outside as soon as you get a little sunshine here, everyone comes out of hibernation. It's wonderful. Yeah, I know. I, I noticed it cause I hike a lot and I've been seeing more and more people on sunny days. Yeah. Nope. You're not by yourself anymore. <laughs> no, no, I used to have fun trailed by myself. Um, well, anyway, I, I, I really do appreciate Jenya taking time. It's like it goes by fast, like I told you. And I think a lot of people um, really don't really realize like all the interesting things Ford is doing, but it's not by accident. You know, I, I, I actually I had the opportunity to drive a um, newer Ford car, 2021. And I first time I had lane assist. Ah, mm-hmm. And that sort of threw me off at first because, you know, you're, when you drive by yourself, you're always grabbing stuff in your car and like, you better pay attention. You need a cup of coffee. You know, like, yeah, it's, yeah so you start getting that. So it's a it's a brave new world. All of a sudden, uh, Elvis Huxley would be happy. Um, <laughs> the uh, I, I just want to thank again our guest, Jennifer Brace, Global Trends and Futuring Manager for Ford Motor Company. Thanks again, Jen. You are wonderful. I appreciate you doing the show today, too. Thanks. It was my pleasure. Join us for the next podcast where we meet with West Sider Brittany Hunter, Managing Partner, Atomic Object, where this diverse multi-state custom software company is making a difference. The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org forward slash radio to put your plans in motion.